Okay, so we're going to pick it up from Daf Mem Hayam Beis, the bottom of the Amid. It's three lines from the bottom. Amrav Chama Barguria Merav. The halacha was like this: that if you bought a non-Jewish slave um, before you kept them as a non-Jewish slave, you have to dip them in the mikvah in order to having having in mind not for conversion, but in order to convert them to a non-Jewish slave. Then, when they're a non-Jewish slave, they have the they have to keep the the mitzah the mitzah seishes mangrama. Um, so they have the same halachas as a woman. So they have to keep certain laws. And then after they're freed, they become Jewish. Now, the Gemara now discusses the following situation. If you buy a slave from a guy, and instead, and before you dipped him in the mikvah for the sake of turning him into a slave, he went to the mikvah himself and had a mind to convert as a Jew. Then the halacha is kanas min He goes free. The basic premises, as we're going to see inside, is that a Jew can own a person, but a non-Jew cannot. Halachically, a non-Jew cannot own a person. So when the non-Jew owned this slave and sold him to you as a Jew, what he was not selling was, he wasn't selling the person to say that now you own the person. He was selling he was selling the rights um, his rights to his labor. So when you bought him and you had the rights of his labor, once he converts, then all of a sudden. Uh, the fact that he becomes a Jew, it sort of excludes him and it removes him from that servitude. And it's not like you own. It's not like the guy owned the person. If the guy owned the person and he sold you the person, then you had the person. The guy didn't own the person. The guy owned the rights to his labor, which are removed when he becomes Jewish. So if he converts before, then he goes free. The Gemara says, "My time. What's the reason? Go to the next page." The guy never owned the actual slave himself. Rather, the rights to his labor. And he was just giving over to the Jew what he owned, which is the rights to his labor. And because he immersed himself and became Jewish, he, he, he removes the lien. I mean, the halacha is that if, let's say, you have a lien on a property, and then you consecrate it as holiness, it becomes holy, and the lien is removed. So the guy never owned this Jew. He sort of like had a lien on the guy. He had the rights to his labor. And the fact that he became a Jew removes that. The Gemara says, Kidurava, Zerava says, Damarava, Hegdish Chomet Vishikhar Mafkim de Shibur. Let's say you have something, it's called an apotiki. An apotiki is you have a house and you say to someone, oh, if I owe you money, if I don't pay you, take the house. You lean on the property. The Allah is there are three things that could remove that property from uh, the creditor that he cannot get it anymore. One is if it's chametz, let's say instead of a property, you have uh, bread. He said, okay, take this. The second come chametz, it's removed. Or shichror, uh, if let's say you, instead of a property, you made a, a slave, and you said to the guy, okay, this slave, is uh, take this if I, if I don't pay you. And then he becomes free. Um, then he becomes free. Then it's obviously removed. And the last one is, um, and hegdish. If you're magdish something, it also is removed from the ownership. So to over here, the second he becomes a Jew, it's removed from the ownership. Because again, he doesn't actually own the guy himself. He just owns the rights, and the second he converts, it's removed. So if a guy converts before he's uh, bought by the Jew, um, then he uh, then he's free. There was an incident with Baluria, the, guy, the convert. She was a guy, and her slaves were guy. So she decided she's going to convert... And then she's going to title her slaves as uh, non-Jew slaves. But instead, while she was a guy, before she converted, they jumped in the water and had in mind to become Jewish. And they became free. 
They're free. So what's the kasha? Isn't that exactly what we said? The Gemara implies, the Gemara understands that there's an implication. It's Dafka because they converted before she was Jewish. But had they converted, the implication is, had they converted after she was Jewish, then it wouldn't work. So you're telling me that if a, if a, if a, if a Jew buys a slave and then before... Before he comes to, before he's in the mikvah, he dips himself in the mikvah to become a Jew. He's free, but in the case of Bluria, Bluria, the convert, the implication is that they were only free dafka because she was a guy at the time. But had she been Jewish, they wouldn't be free. So you see, it's not like that. So the Gemara says, "Amar Rav, no." Lefanehah bein l'stam bein l'mafurish. Lacharehah mafurish in b'stam loy. Gemara says, "No." The truth is, the halacha is the same, regardless of when a, a non-Jew converts whether the owner is jewish or non-jewish if the non-jew jumps in the water and has a mind to become to convert to judaism they are now free so why by blurry so why was it necessary to say that they they converted before she was jewish because if they convert before she's jewish then they're automatically free because you don't have to ask them meaning if a guy goes in the water so is, are they free or not? So the answer is, well, it depends on why they're converting, why they're going in the water. If they're going in the water as a converting to a Jew, then they're free. If they're going in the water to become a non-Jewish slave, then they're, they're not free. If they jump in the water before the owner's Jewish, like in the case of Bleria Hagiaris, they're automatically free. You could assume that they're doing it to convert, because why would they do it to become a non-Jewish slave when their owner's a guy? But... After the owner becomes Jewish, then there's room for interpretation of why they're going in. So when the Gemara said that they're free because Beleria was a guy, it's not that they're free because she was a guy. They'd be free if they had in mind to convert when she was Jewish. It's just that because she was a guy and they went into the water, we could assume they were doing it to convert. That, that's the point. But had they done it after she's Jewish for the intention of conversion, it would talk and make them free as well. So we're saying right now... Um, yeah, they're saying right now that if a guy is bought as a slave and he converts to Judaism, he's free. That's only true where the Jew purchased a slave from a guy. But if a guy sells himself into slavery to a Jew, then the halacha is he cannot go free because the Jew automatically owns him. Meaning, the second he's bought, even before he goes into the water, just by merely being purchased by the guy... By the Jew, he becomes the Jewish property. Meaning when a guy is selling to the Jew, see, he's only selling what he owns, which is not the guy himself, just the rights to the guy. So if the guy converts, then he's free. But when a guy sells himself over to the Jew, because the Jew can actually purchase him, the halacha is that the guy is considered purchased by the Jew even without going into the mikvah. And therefore, regardless of what his intention of when he goes in the mikvah, even if he intends to convert, he is not free. Now, why is this? The Pasuk says that a Jew buys a non-Jewish slave. You could acquire slaves from the guy. But a guy cannot buy a Jew. A, guy, a Jew can buy a guy, but a guy can't buy a Jew. And they can't buy each other. You see that a Jew can acquire an idolater slave, but an idolater cannot acquire, acquire a Jew or a guy. Now, what is this referring to? If this is referring to the rights to servitude, is it true that a guy cannot buy a Jew? Why not? A guy can buy the rights of labor. 
Rather, it's talking about ownership itself. You see that a Jew, rather, means actual buying the person. And this is the source that a guy cannot own a person, but a Jew can own a person. So therefore, this is the explanation. Because a guy cannot own a person, if a guy has a slave and he sells it to a Jew, he's not selling, you can only sell what you own. right? And he doesn't own the person, he just owns the rights to the person. So he sells that to the Jew. So if a guy goes into the mikvah, then he's free. But if he's selling himself, he's able. he owns himself. So he's able to sell himself to the Jew. So if he sells himself, then the Jew owns him with money alone. Even without going to the mikvah, the, the Jew owns him, and if he goes to the mikvah for intention of uh, becoming free, it's irrelevant. So you see over here that by merely purchasing the guy himself, the Jew owns him. How do I know that you own him without him going to the mikvah for the sake of conversion, um, of, of, of becoming a slave? Maybe you only own him if you buy him with money, and he goes to the mikvah. Right? You're assuming that by merely purchasing with cash, you now own the guy, and therefore if he intends to go to the mikvah, it's irrelevant. Maybe that's not the case. Maybe you only own him if you pay for him and you, he intended to sell himself. But if you just paid for him, uh, maybe that's not enough. Maybe, maybe he needs that and you need the mikvah uh, with the intention of becoming a guy. But if you just pay for him, maybe that's not enough. Kasha, it's a kasha. Okay. So we're here to the rest of the daf is actually a lot easier. Um, we said that when a guy goes into the water... So it depends on what his intention is. If his intention is to become a slave, then he's uh, he works as a slave. If his intention is to become free, to become a Jew, then he's Jewish and he's free. How do you know, what's to prevent you from? Let's say he goes into the water with the intention of being a slave, because that's that's what you bought him for. And later on, he's like, oh, I intended to to convert. Meaning, how do you prove that when he went to the water, he went into the water purely? to become a slave, and not to become converts. The Gemara says, What they do is they would put his hands on his shoulders when he's under the water. Not to hold him down, obviously, but just put force on him for a moment to show that I'm in control. That way, even when he went into the mikvah, it's clear that his going into the mikvah was not to convert to Judaism, but to convert to slave to servitude. The slave of Ravashi needed to immerse in the mikvah. And Ravashi wanted to make sure that he doesn't claim to be a Jew, because if he claims to be a Jew, then he loses out on him. So he says, So Ravashi gave over the mikvah, gave over the slave to Ravina Ravacha, they were going to dip him in the mikvah. Ravashi said, listen, if he claims to be a Jew, meaning if he claims that he converted, then I want my money, I'm going to come to you guys for money, meaning make sure that doesn't happen. Make sure that when he goes to the mikvah, he can't play games and say, no, I wanted to convert. So Ramilair they put a leash around his neck and they dipped him with a leash on. That way it's clear from the Maisa of Tavila that he was not doing so to become a Jew. So at first they made it tight, then they loosened it and they tightened it. Why? they loosened it so that the water can go through. You have to has to be a kosher mikvah. The water has to be able to if it's too tight, then the water can't travel. but then they tighten it, said he can't say I, I intended to become a Jew. If you if you go to the mikvah with a with a with a, a chain around your neck, that's not a that's not freedom. And then as he came up, they put a bucket of concrete on his head and basically said, take this. Bring it to your master's house. Meaning, like already, the, as he's coming out of the water, they said, start working. Papa said to Rava, 
do you see the house of Papa Bar Abba, the Yavizuzal Inchal Kurgayu? So they were Goyim that couldn't pay taxes. So what they would do is they were wealthy. They would pay the taxes for them and automatically take them as slaves. And they would work off until they were done. Let's say the guy owned hundred thousand dollars in taxes, so they paid the hundred thousand dollars to the government, and they got them as slaves until they, they worked uh, for the value of hundred thousand dollars. So he says, Kinovki, when they go free, get So Rav Papa's question is to Rova, are they really slaves halachically to the point where they need a get, a called the get shikra? They need a like um, a document of freedom. When a, when a slave goes free, an Andrew slave goes free, you have to give him like a document to prove that he was free. Now, if the guy's just a, a worker, he obviously doesn't need that. So the question is, were these slaves halachically slaves to the point where they would need a bill of emancipation? So, he said, oh, if I died, I wouldn't have told you this. Meaning, I'm so glad you asked me while I'm still alive. It's like any other Shiloh, you know. Thank God people ask for Moshe Feinstein Shilas, because if they didn't, then, um, he would have taken that knowledge to the grave. So he says, says, um, the, the, the rights of slavery is in the hand of the king. And the king declared that anyone who doesn't pay taxes is a slave to one who does pay taxes. Meaning, the rights, well, what's the shot that, like, oh, they didn't pay taxes, I'm going to pay for them to become my slave. Where does that come from? The answer is, it's part of the rules of the government. It, and the king has the right to set those rules. So that same king also declared that they need a bill of emancipation. So therefore, because it's real slavery, based on the rules of the government, then it's a real slavery that they require a bill of emancipation. Now, the Gemara continues, went to Gavla. See, he saw three things that were happening that he was not a fan of. There were women who were um, married to, to Jewish men, to, to non-Jewish men. They were non-Jews who converted, but they circumcised, but they didn't go to the mikvah. So, hold on one sec. Recording in progress. So, these were non-Jews who converted, but what they did was they did only circumcision, but they didn't go to the mikvah. So we're going to see that that, according to many opinions, is not a good gear. So these are Goyim, basically. So it's non-Jewish men with Jewish women. Number two, he saw he saw that the Goyim, Goyim were cooking turmisen. Turmisen is a bean dish. They were cooking beans and the Jews were eating it. I'm sorry, I, I skipped the line. He saw that the non-Jewish waiters were pouring the wine for the Jews, and the Jews were drinking. And he saw that the, the non-Jews were cooking turmis, and the Jews were eating it. He didn't say anything to them. He came in front of Yechanan. He says, make the following three announcements. First of all, tell them the kids are mamzerim, because as we're going to see, it's Gaiisha fathers, Jewish mothers, which we had yesterday's daf, according to Rabbi Yechanan, Charles and Mamzer. Tell them their wine is Yayin because Goyim are picking up the bottles and pouring wine. That makes the wine Yayin Esach. And the last one, he said, tell them they can't eat the beans because of Bishalakum. It's cooked by a Goy, but that's only because they're not learned. Meaning, we're going to see in a moment, the truth is that's Takamutr. Why? For it to be Bishalakum, it has to be um, inedible raw. These are not edible raw, so that is a problem. But it also has to be chashiv enough of a dish that it's oil al shulchan malachim. It has to be that it's fit to be served to a king. Now, those beans were not fit to be served to a king, so technically you could have goyim teaching that, uh, cooking that. But because they're benapene Torah, 
Rav Yechon didn't want them to be lenient because he didn't uh, he didn't feel that it was a proper thing because the people are not going to know the distinction. So he said the first two are really problems. The last one, tell them they can't eat it because the Bishalakim, that's just because they're not B'nai Tyrus. Let's let's go through each one. First of all, tell them the children of Mamzerim. Rav Yechon Tamei, this is Rav Yechon L'shitasid. Am Rav Chama, Chibar Am Rav Yechon. Loilam and Ger Shiyama Yitvah. Rav Yechon holds that you're not a convert until you circumcise and go to the mikvah. So because he didn't go to the mikvah, they're goyim. Therefore, they're still goyim. Am Rav Chama, Rav Yechon, I become ever Mamzer. And Rechon Shita also is that if a guy lives with a Jewish woman and has a child, the child's a Mamzer. Now tell them their their wine is Yayin Nesach. Now the question is, why is it uh, a Yayin Nesach? So the Gemara says, now, now, uh, here, here's the deal. I'm, I'm sorry, I, I misspoke. It's not that they poured wine, they didn't pour glasses of wine, they diluted the wine. So they poured the water into the wine. So what's the problem with that? They didn't actually touch the wine. So says the Gemara, he told them the Yayanes, there was a like a saying that used to say, go around, go around, we tell the Nazir, don't walk through the vineyard. I mean again, a Nazir shouldn't walk through the vineyard because it's very easy for him to make a mistake. So while technically it's not a problem for a guy to dilute wine because he's not touching the wine, he's pouring water into the wine, it is a very, very bad idea. And therefore Aviachan said that they should pour out the wine. And the last one is Tomisim The last one is the cooked beans are a problem of Bishalakum because they're not very learned. Meaning Shari. Meaning technically it's mutter, it's just they're not very learned. Why? It should be a problem. Why? Because one of the rules to exempt Bishalakum is if it's edible raw. These are not edible raw. So why isn't it Bishalakum? The answer is, as I said before, Rav Yechon was following the second qualification. Anything that's not chashev enough to serve to a king so therefore these beans are really not chashim enough to serve to a king but they're not chashim enough to serve to a king um, so ter- therefore it's technically motor but lamaisa because it's something they're not b'nei taira we're going to be machmer by the way technically serve to a king so the star k whenever they're trying to figure out they actually call the president the president's chef, and he'll tell them if it's something they would serve to the president. Rav Belsky held a shmorg at a wedding. It's considered chashem enough that if it's fit to be served at a shmorg at a wedding, it's considered to be chashem. If not, not. There's also a famous shayla about potato chips. Uh, do you go by the food itself or the preparation? Like potato chips are not chashem enough to serve to a king, but potatoes under the right... Uh, Fried potatoes under the right type of fried potatoes could be. So the question is, do you go by the that specific item or the food preparation in general? Let's say you have a convert, right? We just got finished saying that in order to be a Jew, you need conversion, you need uh, circumcision and mikvah. It's actually a machlekes tanoim. Some say you need both, some say you need one. Uh, and which one is also machlekes? Ger If you have a Jew, you have a, a non-Jew who just circumcised but did not go to the mikvah. Rav Leizer says a ger. Rav says it's still valid. You don't need the mikvah. The mikvah is not necessary. Why? We find that when the Jewish people left Mitzrayim, right, we just got to finish talking about this, that they would put the blood of the circumcision on the door, but they never went to the mikvah. There's no source in the Torah that they went to the mikvah. So you see, I mean, evidently, we'll see later on, there could be that they, they did, but Rav Yezus says, we don't find the first in the Torah they went to the mikvah. We find that they circumcised. So you see that circumcision is all that's necessary to convert. You don't need to go to the mikvah in order to become a Jew. That's Rav Yezus' shita. Obviously, we don't pass in this way. We hold that you need both. Tov let's say 
you just did mikvah and didn't circumcise. Rabbi Yeshua says it's fine. Minu Rav says what's necessary, the most necessity is circumcision. Rabbi Yeshua says no. What's really important is going to the mikvah. Why? Shekain matzinu Right? The Jewish men, how do they convert? So they had a circumcision. What do the Jewish women do? There's no circumcision. They don't uh, have that part of the body. So what do they do? They went to the mikvah. So Rabbi Yeshua says, you see, evidently the mikvah is the most chashiv. Okay, which it's interesting. I mean, he's learning out the laws of uh, necessities for conversion uh, for men from women, even though women. I mean, and he's saying that the same way women don't need a circumcision, so do men don't, even though women can't have circumcision. So it's interesting. The Gemara says, The Chacham, which is how we pass, and they say, No, you need both. Now, the Gemara speaks it out. Rabbi Yeshua is learning out from the women. Rav Liezer is learning out from Klai Yisrael, you don't need the mikvah. Why don't they, why, why don't they learn out from each other? Meaning, why doesn't Rav Yeshua learn out from the fathers that you need a that you need a circumcision, and why doesn't Rav Liezer learn out from the mothers you need a mikvah? So the Gemara says, The question is also, um, maybe Rav Liezer's objection with Rav Yeshua Shita is ain't done in Efsher, Mishi Efsher. Meaning, what's Rav Yeshua saying? You don't need circumcision. To convert because the women never have circumcision for conversion; they just have the mikvah. You see, the mikvah is the most chashiv. It's not comparable. Women can't go to the mikvah. So, how do you compare someone who could have a circumcision? I'm sorry, women can't have circumcision. So, how do you compare men who could have circumcision from, from women who can't? Meaning, now that's not true. Meaning, so meaning, why does Rabbi Yezer disagree with Rabbi Yeshua? So you'll say, well, Rabbi Yezer tells you you can't learn out uh, from the emos from the women because they couldn't have a circumcision. You can't compare someone who could from someone who cannot. You know, it's an impossibility. The problem is Rabbi Yezer holds that that that's a logic. Rabbi Yezer has no problem with learning out uh, one item from the other even though one of them cannot have it. Meaning, Rabbi Yeshua is comfortable learning out that the men do not require circumcision to convert because the women don't have circumcision. Even though one is possible, one's not. He has no problem. He has no problem with that. So we're saying, why does Rabbi Yezer disagree? So Gemara says, well, maybe Rabbi Yezer doesn't believe that that's a plausible argument. How do you compare possible to impossible? Gemara says, no, I'll tell you why. There's a machloikis about whether the carbon Pesach can come from Meiser money, Meiser Sheni money. Now, Rav Liezer Oimer, how do I know that you cannot purchase the carbon Pesach from Meiser Sheni money? So he says, Nemer Pesach b'Mitzrayim, Nemer Pesach l'Dairus. Ma Pesach Omer Mitzrayim ain't balim enachulin. A Pesach Omer l'Dairus ain't balim enachulin. Rav Liezer says, Well, the first carbon Pesach couldn't come from Meiser Sheni money, so too no carbon Pesach can come from Meiser Sheni money. Now the first carbon Pesach couldn't come from Meiser Sheni money because there was no Meiser Sheni at the time. Yet Rav Liezer has no problem learning it out. That's mamish equatable to Rav Yeshua's argument. Rav Yeshua has no problem learning out men to women when it comes to uh, men from women when it comes to the requirement of circumcision, even though one's not possible. Okay, but at the end of the day, they both don't have to circumcise. So, Rav Liezer's objection cannot be he, he doesn't like that argument because he makes that similar argument when it comes to not requiring, not allowing the carbon Pesach to be bought from Meis money. He says, carbon Pesach can't be bought from Meis money because the first carbon Pesach couldn't come from Meis money. Now, the first carbon Pesach couldn't come from Meis money because there was no such thing as Meis He's not bothered by that. Even though one's F-share and one's E-F-share, he has no problem. And Rav, Rav Akiva says, 
Why can't they learn out from it? It's a good argument. So what's the issue? Go to the next page. So what's the problem with Rabbi Shua's argument? Why is Rabbi Yezer against it? Rather, change it. Everyone agrees if you just had a mikvah, it works. Even Rabbi Yezer agrees to that. Because you were learning out from the women. The machlaikis is, The machlaikis is, is circumcision alone enough? Rabbi Yezer, Yezer says yes, because in the midbar, and when they left Mitzrayim, they never went to the mikvah, seemingly. Rabbi Yeshua says no. Rabbi Yeshua says no. They went to the mikvah also. So Rabbi Yeshua feels that uh, circumcision on its own is not enough. Rabbi Yezer says it is. Now, how do I know that the 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 the, the Jewish people in Mitzrayim uh, before they before Mount Torah went to the mikvah? The pasuk says before Mount Torah that Moshe Rabbeinu told that Hashem told Moshe Rabbeinu to tell Klal Yisrael that they should wash their clothing. Now, generally, if something's tummy, the first thing that becomes tummy is the person. Contaminating clothing is a high-level tumma. So, if some, and generally, when when something is the clothing is contaminated, of course you have to go to the mikvah. So, if the clothing requires to be washed, the people need to be washed. The Gemara says, "Dilma Nikias Balma." Perhaps no. Perhaps when Hashem told them to dip the clothing in the to clean the clothing, it wasn't from tahara. Meaning, if the clothing had to be cleaned before Mount Torah. From like it had to go into the mikvah, then the people also definitely had to go to the mikvah. Doesn't make sense that they would clean the clothing, the the clothing, not the people. So the Gemara says no. Maybe they didn't have to dip the clothing into the mikvah mitzat tahara. Maybe they did dip the clothing in the mikvah just for cleanliness. Maybe they put it in the washing machine. There's no makar that you have to put the people in. El mehacha it says ve'ikach Moshe sadam v'izakalam. The pasuk says that Moshe Rabbeinu took the blood and threw it on the people, threw it on the Jewish people at Har Sinai. Ukamiri dein hazab leitfilas. They did hazas adam. And we have a tradition that you never do Hazar Saddam without going to the mikvah first. So, you see they went to the mikvah. Rav Yeshua, Tvila Bimos Minalat. So, and Rav Yeshua said that the most important thing is the mikvah. Why? Because he says the women didn't have circumcision. What they have, they have the mikvah. How do I know the women went to the mikvah? The answer is Svara. I don't have a source, but it's a logical argument. If, if women don't have to go to the mikvah, then, then how exactly do they become Jewish? Right? If you if you if you, how exactly do they become Jewish? If they don't have to, uh, if they don't have to, if there's no circumcision, and then also if there's no mikvah, then then uh, then how do you become Jewish? It must be this a mikvah. says you need both. You need circumcision and the mikvah. Pshita, yeah, it's poshit. Meaning, Rav Yeshua says all you need is. Uh, sorry, Rabbi Shua says that the most important thing is the mikvah. Rabbi Yezer says the most important thing is the circumcision. The Chum say, no, you need both. So Rabbi Yechon saying, we pass on the Chum. Yeah, you always go with the Chum over Yechidim. The answer is, man Chacham Rabbi Yaisi. The truth is, the Chachamim is not a majority of people. It's actually Rabbi Yaisi. And that's why you have the Chiddush to tell me that we follow Rabbi Yaisi over Rabbi Yeshua and Rabbi Yezer. How do I know that Rabbi Yaisi Shita is the one who said that you need both? If a person comes to court and he says, I circumcised myself for the sake of, cir- of, of conversion, but I never went to the mikvah. So he claims that he had a brismila l'shem shemaim. Now he wants to, the, the, the Bezdin to just dip him in the water. So the question is, do we dip him in the water? Do we do we do we do we do that? So the Gemara says, Div Rabbi Yehuda. Yehuda says the court has the right to, to dip him in the mikvah. Why? Because the second he's con- he has the circumcision, he's already Jewish. Rabbi, Yishu- Rabbi Yehuda holds the ikr is the mila. Ikr is the bris mila. And once he has, meaning, and once he has, um, once he's con- once he has circumcision, then he's already a Jew.
uh, I'm sorry. Meaning like this. The guy comes in and he says that he has a brismila l'shim shemaim. Now, maybe that's true, or maybe he's just Islamic and he had a circumcision, whatever. Says Rabbi Yehuda, dip him in the mikvah. Why? Rabbi Yehuda holds, either one is enough. Either, what makes a Jew is either a brismila or a tvila. Either one. So even if the circumcision was takana l'shim shemaim, so now do the mikvah l'shim shemaim. Meaning we don't have to investigate to find out if, there, if it's made of two parts, and you need both parts to be L'shem Shemaim, then we can't just dip him in the mikvah without getting witnesses to prove that his circumcision was done L'shem Shemaim. Rabbi Yudah holds, either one is enough. I don't need witnesses. Just dip him in. Mabikach. Just dip him in. The Iker is the... the, Iker is, one, of the one of the two is enough. Therefore, as long even if the talk of the circumcision was not L'shem Shemaim, it was done for Islam, whatever it was, so dip him in the mikvah L'shem Shemaim. Rav Yossi disagrees. He says, no, in Matbilan, he says, both acts have to be L'shem Shemaim because both acts are necessary to become Jewish. Therefore, the fact that he claims that it was done L'shem Shemaim is not going to be enough. You need to bring Adam. So you see, Rav Yossi holds, you need both of you, this is one is enough. A similar machlaikas, whether you're allowed to dip someone in the mikvah on Shabbos. After circumcision, he wants to go to the mikvah on Shabbos to, to become a Jew. Rav Yudah says, Rav says, you could. Why? Because he holds it. Once you have the circumcision, you're already Jewish. One's enough. Therefore, the mikvah is not necessary. right? We, we wouldn't dip him in the mikvah on Shabbos if that would make him a Jew, because that would be like fixing, like creating. We don't, we don't do that on Shabbos. But Rav Yudah says, the Iker, one is enough. And the second he goes to the mikvah, the second he has the circumcision, he's already Jewish. The mikvah is not necessary. So, put him in the mikvah on Shabbos. Rav Yudah says, Okay. So it's, uh, the Machalikas repeats itself. Let's run through the last Gemara. Why does Rabbi Yudha have to say the second Shito, second Din, which is that therefore you could dip him in the mikvah on Shabbos? Yeah, it's the same argument. I mean, once Rabbi Yudha tells us that one is enough, I already know that you could dip him on Shabbos after he had a circumcision. So the Gemara says, the same Rabbi Yudha Tefila Iker. Rabbi Huda's first statement, which was, a guy comes and he says he's already circumcised, we don't have to investigate, we just dip him in the mikvah. I explained it's because Rabbi Huda holds one is enough, either or. You could actually look at that Gemara as saying that the Iker is mikvah, and therefore we should not do the initial mikvah on Shabbos. Kamash and no. Neither is Iker. One is enough. Whichever one you do is fine. Rav Yossi, I'm Ein Matbil, and Rav Yossi says we do not immerse him in the mikvah on Shabbos. Pshita, yeah. Keep in the Rav Yossi Tarti, but in Tikkun Shabbos Lamez Kino. Why do you need this? Once I know that you need both, of course we're not going to dip him in the mikvah on Shabbos. Gemara says, Mao, the same Rav Yossi Mila Iker, Vahasumutulay Havim Milafaneinu, Avahichat Havim Milafaneinu. Emulitzvalei Bashabta, Kamashon Rav Yossi Tarti boy. Again, the reason why you need this is because if all you have was the first teaching, which is that we do not dip him in the mikvah without investigating the Brasmila. I explain that because Rav Yaisi holds you need both to become a Jew. You could actually look at it as maybe you don't need both to become a Jew. Maybe the Iker is the circumcision. In which case, in the second halacha, where you already circumcised L'Shem Shemai, maybe you should be allowed to dip him for the mikvah on Shabbos. Kamash will no, both are necessary. Amr Rabba. There was an episode in the house of Rabbi Berevi, Rabbi Yosef, Masir Vaishi Berevi, Rabbi Masir Vaishi Berevi, different names of who happened. A, a guy came in who was converting, but he had just do, done a circumcision, but he didn't go to the mikvah. So Rabbi said to him, Wait here until tomorrow, then I'll dip you in the mikvah. That's what he said. So you learn out a couple things from this Maisa. Shemami no you learn three things. Shemami no First of all, you re- it requires a presence of three to dip him in the mikvah. That's why he said, wait till tomorrow. 
because there were no, uh, from the fact that Rav Safra didn't do it himself, he, he had to wait for more people to come. So you see, you need three people. Well, you also see that, a circ- that you're not a Jew until you have both. The fact that he said wait till tomorrow and he didn't do it at night is you don't dip a convert into the mikveh at night. You don't convert people at night. So the Gemara continues. Perhaps, not just that you need three, he also got three Rabbonim together. So the Gemara says. Yeah, I just want to clarify the story. The story was that you had Rav Chiba Rebbe, you had Rav Oishia Berebi, and you had Rav Oishia Berev Chia. So you had three Rabbanim together. A guy comes in and he says he didn't go to the mikveh yet, so they said, wait till tomorrow, then we'll dip you in the mikveh. So you learn three things. First of all, there are three people there, you need a bezin of three. Number two is you don't dip the mikveh at night. And number three is that um, you're not a Jew until you do both. So the Gemara says, well, who were those three Rabbanim? Those were so perhaps in addition to having three, maybe you need three experts like those three The answer is not That just happened to be. They happened to be experts. But any three, any three uh, members of uh, from Orthodox Jews serving as the Bezdin would suffice. The Gemara ends with this: A convert requires the presence of three people. Because the Pasuk describes the conversion as a mishpat, a judgment, and a judgment requires a bezin. I will stop here. We'll pick it up tomorrow, Bezashem.